This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And I'm Sandy Hunt. Now we're going to turn to technology. We're going to talk to Larry Payne, who's the Senior VP of the U.S. Public Sector at Cisco. He's responsible for leading an integrated sales team of 2,000 individuals in development and deployment of technology solutions that enable the public sector in protecting the community, serving citizens, educating children, and defending the nation. We'll also talk a little bit about Cisco's Network Academy, which supports STEM education. Welcome to the show, Larry. Well, thank you, and I uh, appreciate being here. Great. Sure. So I want to start um, sort of at the very beginning. You have a broad charge, as Cheryl read off yes. that list, protecting the community, serving citizens, educating children, and defending the nation. Um, so talk to us a little bit at you know at the very highest level about um, the sort of social impact mission at Cisco and um, how you think about you know, focusing, focusing these resources and your responsibility. Yeah, well, you know, I think, um, you know, at Cisco, we have a, a tenant within our culture of giving back. And for me and my organization, it's a, it's just a very special um, place to be because certainly we're, we're doing our, our work by the day, but we also are thinking about the, the missions of our customers. And those missions, as you stated, they do include everything from the Department of Defense, who's tasked with defending our nation, to the local police departments who are protecting citizens, to our government customers who are out there trying to serve citizens, and certainly our educators in our schools, both K-12 to as well as higher ed universities, who are trying to educate our children, um, trying to develop that uh, next generation of workforce that this country needs to continue to drive its economic growth. So for us, it's part of this this great culture we have of working hard, but also feeling like we are doing much more than helping a customer achieve a better bottom line, right? We are out there trying to help our customers achieve their mission uh, to help society. So you really see your social impact as just doing your job well, is helping all of these actors that you're enabling to make the social impact that is core to their mission and their operations. Exactly. And, and you know, what's interesting is the team really rallies around that, right? I mean, it's very motivational for people mm-hmm. to feel like they're serving a greater good as they go about their day-to-day jobs. Absolutely. And we're seeing more and more research come out about that, that that the is very, very motivating employees. to employees. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit of, uh, about the, the uh, STEM work that you're doing with students, because, I mean, as an educational institution, we are, are, of course, always interested in that particular area. Sure. So as, as we've learned over the last few years, STEM has become quite a hot topic in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really worldwide. Many reasons for that. One of the reasons is just because there's such a demand for that workforce. Um, we started a program, and again, I shared that part of Cisco's uh, culture is to give back. We have a whole organization that we, uh, we call our Cisco Corporate Social Responsibility Group. 
Um, and they started a very special program about 20 years ago. It's called the Cisco Network Academies. And I'll share with you a little bit more about that. But the, the real goal of that program is to foster the technical and entrepreneurial skills that people, educators, and companies need to change the world for the better. Um, and through, through our STEM education programs like the Cisco Network Academies, we feel like we're actually accomplishing that goal. Um, we're in um, about 180 countries, Ooh. and we have educated 7.8 million students worldwide in the last 20 years. So it's a very prolific program, and like I said, with global reach and having global impact. And I'm curious, you know, to have that breadth, 9,000 institutions in over 170 countries, education looks very different across countries and even within countries. So how do you work? How does net, I think it's net ACAD is how we see it referred to. Um, mm -hmm. So how does how's net academy work with and across this diverse educational ecosystem to deliver its value, its programs in a way that meets the needs of each community? Yeah, and and the key to that, that's a great point, the key to that is the fact that we have close partnerships with the actual education institutions within the community. So, for example, uh, we offer this program through high schools, we offer it through community colleges, and we offer it through four-year universities. Mm. And we partner with those uh, institutions to develop this program, to train the, the educator, um, to develop the curriculum, and we have it in multiple languages. So if it's in a different country, it speaks the local language. Um, and then we also supply uh, lab equipment for them so that they have, get hands-on experience as well. And so the key to being able to do it in this broader scale is the close partnership with the actual education institutions. And so can you tell us a little bit about what what the curriculum looks like when you're developing the curriculum? What What are you training or what are you helping to train the students in? Yeah, so as we've looked at our industry, right, it was it was uh, growing rapidly. And back 20 years ago when we first started this program, um, Cisco is a very big company, and we offer multiple solutions across a broad spectrum of the technology industry. But when we first started, we had a relatively simple product portfolio. And what we found was that that product portfolio was growing rapidly. Customers were adopting it. But there was an inhibitor to our ability to grow and our customers' ability to actually leverage the technology. And that was what the genesis of this program was. We realized that we needed to help the customers as well as the industry develop the talent and the skills and the workforce to be able to actually consume this technology and then you know, achieve the value of it. Um, and so we started with basic networking. And so we have a curriculum that we worked with um, uh, universities on to develop, and it is really around just basic networking. And if you're not in the technology industry, that may not mean a lot to you, but it's the ability to move information from point A to point B. And that information can be uh, data, it can be voice, it can be video, but it's all the things that we need to collaborate in our day-to-day -day work lives. Uh, so we started with networking, um, and as you know, this industry has boomed and changed over the years, sure. uh, and we've added a lot of new curriculum. Um, those those hot topics, if you will, are everything from programming to operating systems. We recently, in the last two years, came out with a curriculum around cybersecurity because that's become such a hot topic. 
And so you, you mentioned the challenge of the global reach. The, the other challenge that we have is keeping up with the, the industry and the technology trends that are out there. Um, and so we're constantly refreshing our curriculum. We're constantly coming out with a new module, a new course, a new program that helps to meet the needs of, of the current industry and the current needs in the workforce. So Cisco is thinking about not only how to be a, you know, the best quality, you know, supplier to the companies it works with that are making an impact. Now it's thinking about how to leverage its core competencies as a business through this Net Academy and having the STEM research. I'm going to take it one more level, not that you guys aren't doing enough, and, and ask, how are you thinking about gender? Um, because so much of, of the sort of STEM headlines are really around women in STEM and, you know, the gap in gender that varies, you know, by countries and by industry and things like this. But is that something that you're, you're thinking about or impact you're targeting? Oh, yes. and uh, <laughs> Right answer. You know, well, I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because there is a lot of focus on that. Um, you know, we see that the number of STEM employees uh, that are female is considerably lower than mm-hmm. the, the average employee right. rate, as you know. Um, so this is, uh, we really are intentional about targeting um, diverse populations with this program. Um, for example, worldwide, we've, we're tracking this, about 25% of the Netiquette students today are female. Now, that's, that's not where it needs to be, but that's certainly better than what we see across the industry in the IT world with STEM employees. And so we're looking at that very intentionally. Uh, we have other programs, too. Uh, you know, we, we do Girls Power Tech, which is a program for uh, uh, females to try and get them involved in STEM education. We do things like a Cisco High program, where we're actually now bringing uh, students out of high school into a two-week internship at Cisco. Uh, and we intentionally are looking to make sure that we have a very diverse population as we look to, uh, to bring these interns in. So you, you ask a great question. I think it's an industry-wide issue that everyone mm-hmm. recognizes. And, and let's be honest, uh, if you're only if 50% of the world's population is female and only 25% of your uh, technical workforce is female, you're missing half of the, the talent that's available to you. And the key is to start them early. We found that if you start them in high school, we're even considering looking into the middle school age to see if we can at least um, uh, get some interest from uh, the female students around STEM education. Yeah, it's great. By You're age listening spoken. to Dollars and Change <laughs> on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. You can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're talking with Larry Payne, who's the Senior VP of the U.S. Public Sector at Cisco, about um, all the initiatives Cisco is doing to kind of strengthen um, technology across the globe. Yeah, and what I was going to comment there is I heard, I've read that it's by age four that, that girls will um, defer to boys on science and math problems. That they'll think they're more capable age four. So it's definitely a systems issue. I mean, things need to be done at high-level employers who are employing, yeah. you know, senior executives in tech uh, and thinking about gender. But um, certainly there's a very strong argument to be made for how do we intervene earlier with programs like this in high school and middle school and even um, – Toy Store's Target is uh, has dissolved a girls section and a boys section for toys right, because, right. you know, the engineering toys should be there for children to see in the toy section, not in the boy section or the girl section. So very fascinating stuff. Um, you know, part of what I was thinking about as you talked about this internship is the that if you if you can see it, you can be it aspect that 
internships often provide, give, giving someone a chance to go, okay, this isn't only something I'm learning in the classroom. What so would a career... A, I can fit in here. Yeah, what yeah. would a career in yeah. here look like? Exactly. I can imagine myself doing this. So can you talk a little bit about the, the sort of soft skills or um, professional development beyond the technical skills that students are le- learning through your programs? Sure. You know, as we look at this, the soft skills are as as important as the technical skills. Um, and if you've been in the business world, you know that there's a lot of those soft skills that you have to learn. You have to learn how to present. You have to learn that public speaking. That's a big one. So at the yeah. end of the internship, we actually, and I've actually sat through to judge them, uh, they have to present their findings. We give them a project, and they have to pre- uh, present their findings. So that that public speaking is one of the soft skills that I always try and stress. Within the program, though, the collaboration amongst the students is key and it's critical, and it can come out as you go through this program. Um, and that is a key soft skill that's required every day in our workplace. You know, if you if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, uh, go with others. And mm-hmm. that's one of the key skills that we really stress in our company. Um, and also, as we look for these these programs, whether it's the internships or the Cisco Network Academies, to make sure that there's a component that allows for the soft skills to be developed. Um, and I talked about collaboration. The other one is really, and it comes from, I think it's a big advantage in STEM learning. Uh, I have an engineering degree. And when I came out of college, this industry didn't exist. I right. had no idea what I mm-hmm. would be doing, right? I, I was going to work for a traditional phone company. Um, well, that is very different than the world I live in today. But what a STEM education does is it really gives you problem-solving skills. It allows you to think through these problems with a thought process and solve them. And so when we look at soft skills, it's part of the curriculum that's built in when we do things like collaboration, and those collaborations are around projects. In the Cisco Network Academy, it's really around the lab work. They work together on the labs. And so those are the things that we feel have to be incorporated into all these programs. So you were talking about um, the training that you're doing and working with the schools. Do you have a sense of how many of these students actually will end up employed in a in a in a career which uses their tech the technology that they're learning? You know, unfortunately, we're not able to actually track these yeah. students, right? That's yeah. not our um, not something we can do. Uh, I will tell you this: that we have a lot of companies that um, have come to us and ask us, you know, to be part of this program. We have our worldwide partner organization. Cisco does business um, through a network of partners who do value-added resale. They do consulting. Uh, they do a lot of those services that, that we may not provide. And so we see a lot of our students go to those uh, companies. Certainly, we hire those. And let, let me give you a couple stats here. Mm-hmm. Um, According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and this is from May, people in STEM occupations earned an average salary of $91,310. Wow. While those in non-STEM careers averaged $47,890. So that tells you there's tremendous opportunity for the student as well. So I've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about the benefit to the industry, to companies. 
But what's really important is what's the impact for the student. Uh, and some of these students are coming from, as we talked about, whether it's a diverse background right. from gender perspective or whether it's a diverse background from just their socioeconomic status. Uh, so a lot of these Net Academy programs are offered in underserved areas, and that's certainly in the United States but in other countries as well. And I don't think the uh, the social impact of that can be overstated because you think about someone with a $91,000 income versus a $40,000 income. Yeah. I, I think you said, you know, think about access to health care, think about access to healthy food, think about, um, you know, the you know housing security, all of these different things that are made possible by that earning potential. So yeah. when we think about how to tackle all these social issues, if you can sort of drive on some earning potential, it really can alleviate well, a and, lot of stresses. And also being role models, right, mm-hmm. for younger siblings and friends in mm-hmm. your neighborhood and, and in the school as well. And I think yeah. that becomes really important. Absolutely. A great point. So, yes, and maybe maybe another, just a quick story on that. Sure. I was, we love the I, stories. Yeah, we were celebrating the uh, 20th anniversary for the Cisco Network Academy program at the state of Missouri, and we spent some time at the Capitol building uh, with some of the government leaders and legislators there. And we had a group of students from about four schools. And I got to talk to one of the graduates. Uh, His name is Trey. He was in an underserved area of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Trey graduated two years ago from this program. He now is 19 years old, and he's buying his first home. Ooh, nice. (laughs) He's buying his first home at 19? At 19. And he's spending time with the other students who are currently in the program and acting as a mentor. So you talked about the role model. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was just a phenomenal story. Um, and Trey is just a phenomenal young man. Excellent. We'll have to get Trey on the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he, he might do it and would probably do a wonderful job. So I'm curious. Uh, you talked about all the, the partners that you work with, and we are seeing increased public-private partnerships, collaboration, you know, um, groups that are sort of B2B, business-to-business businesses like Cisco often is, working with their partners and their constituents to amplify their impact. Can you tell us about anything innovative happening in in that arena for Cisco? There's several things. Um, You know, we just recently, I don't know if you read, but we entered into a partnership with the County of Santa Clara, which is where where our corporate headquarters is, and we've donated $50 million to to eradicate homelessness in Santa Clara. Um, I tell you about that story for two reasons. Number one, it is that partnership with government. Number two, there's not a direct benefit to Cisco systems in a program like that. Um, you know, in Cisco Network Academies, you see that we see some benefit in the fact that we're developing workforce for the future that we can leverage. But um, ending homelessness, that does not have a direct benefit to us. And that's one of the things that our CEO and our company is now saying that it's great for companies to do these um, philanthropic efforts that have direct benefit to them. But we really should start to think about things that maybe don't have direct benefit, things that are good for the uh, the world, but maybe not necessarily directly benefiting the company. So that's one of them that we're doing. Um, this network, the Cisco Network Academy is in conjunction with government. It is a partnership with the education. And in many cases, the State Department of Education is our partner. They're leveraging the um, statewide community college system in order to train 
educators who then can go out to the individual schools and train them if they want to offer the program. So I agree with you. It's got to be a partnership with government in this public-private partnership format in order to achieve these results. So I have a question about the, the homelessness um, mm-hmm. uh, don't donation and initiative. It's it's easy for me to understand if you're doing something that is tied to your business. It's easy to sort of say, this is why we're doing it, right? Because it has a direct benefit. It fits our business. We understand. It, it It's coherent. It fits. But how do you choose homelessness over, you know, uh, animal welfare, over water cleanliness, if it's if it's not related to your business? How, how do those decisions get made? You know, that's a great question. I'm, we have a corporate social responsibility um, uh, organization that really is responsible for vetting out the different needs. And, and let's be honest, there's, a, there's so many needs Oh, absolutely. Um, and we have done things with um, helping rhinos in Africa. We've done things across the gambit when it comes to giving back. But I'd have to defer to them on how they actually prioritize them. Um, I wouldn't want that job, to be honest with you. That would be tough. Yeah, because you're right. There's so many different ways you can go and so many different angles. Absolutely. And, and so many of our employees have passion around some of these charities yes. and some of these opportunities. And yes. so they get a lot of requests from our employees to help. And we do what we can, but obviously it's not unlimited. Yeah, and that's why I was wondering how you make those decisions because that's that for all of those reasons, it's it's quite a challenge. Yeah, and we're coming into our last couple of minutes. I think this is our last question. And I'm curious, having worked in the homeless services field, you know, do you see Cisco leveraging its technology and expertise in any way to being a part of this solution, or is the is the capital really how is you it donation and then hands off exactly. after that? Um, you know, I truly believe that technology can impact it. Um, I can tell you, I met with a large city not too long ago, and we were talking about how do you, and they have a, a large homeless population, and we were talking about how do we help this situation. And it's not that we can go out and build homes and provide you know the shelters, but what we can do is enable them to be able to get government services easier. Um, one interesting thing that this city has noticed is that a large percentage of the homeless population still has a smartphone. And if we can provide services on that smartphone or make it easier for them to find health care, easier to find shelter, easier to find these different government services, at least we're playing a role and we're helping them. So by no means would I say that we can directly impact it, but I think indirectly we can actually help some of these people who are in that situation. Yeah, because certainly if we think that technology is an enabler of various sorts, you just have to sort of point it towards enabling and, and specific kinds of problems that may affect people who are experiencing homelessness. Yeah, the technology is so approachable. Yeah. Huge misconception often that folks at the base of the pyramid don't use technology or have access they do. They yeah, do. Globally yeah, they really and in do. the U.S. They really do. Yep. So, Larry, in, in 30 seconds or less, uh, <laughs> now it could be 30 seconds. We've got a little bit more. What's, what's next on the, the radar for you? Are you just doubling down on your programs or is there anything new coming up that we should be looking for? Right now, we are focused on this. We're focused on the network academies. We're focused on internships. Um, we are focused on driving the diversity within the workforce. And, you know, we talked a lot about gender diversity, but we are also focused on, you know, diversity of all ki- types. Um, we feel like that's important. We feel like that is what's needed for companies to be successful. And again, when we look at diversity, we we feel like 
it's diverse thought that's important, yeah. uh, diverse perspective, and that's what makes us more successful. I think you make better decisions when you have different viewpoints coming together to formulate and discuss that decision. So we do have a lot of initiatives around diversity within the company. Um, we have, like I said, this corporate social responsibilities group who is always looking for these opportunities to serve the greater good and, and help uh, help our society. Great. Great. Thank you very much. We've been talking to Larry Payne, Senior VP of the U.S. Public Sector at Cisco. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111 Radio, business radio powered by the Wharton's. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.